Jason. Yeah, buddy. You know, it's December 1st. Oh, yes. You can just smell Christmas, can't you? The pine trees. It's so close. Chestnuts roasting over an open fire. Jack Frost is nipping at both of our noses. (laughs) You said nipping. I did. (laughs) And today, why not talk about something that really goes along with Christmas? And that's metal. Ah, I bet you didn't think that was coming, did you, folks? Metal. <laughs> As in, like, the... The music genre. Oh, okay. Not, not like the element. Yeah, no. Absolutely Steel not. and aluminum. Yes, those are metals. But no, we're not talking about those. We are talking about the genre of music known as metal. Which some, yeah, exactly. It, you Basically, you can write all the songs just yeah. like that. Just with your couple... Da, 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 da. Yeah. It's a it's a misunderstood genre, I think. That's a, got some chugs going. It's you know what? Oh, well, I guess we get into this in the interview. Yeah. But it's Christian metal. And that's still a thing for some people. They can't get Def- over like Definitely for me. Like the the screaming and the yelling. Well, and it's the like loud, if, the if, loud noises and then associating that with You know, make a joyful noise to the Lord, you know, if yeah. you're going to if you're just going to scream one of the psalms like, "Hey, Still glorifies God, in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> but today we're we're going to be talking about uh, a band that I'm a part of called Bringing Down Broadway. So you guys are going to really, I think you guys are going to really enjoy this interview, and especially for you metal you metalheads out there, this is this is definitely the interview for you. If you felt a little out of place listening to the uh, Flint local show and talking about all the punk rock shows, like I didn't grow up in the punk punk rock scene. I kind of grew up in that 2007 2008 christian metal scene yeah so this is this is your guys's episode here's the redemption right here yeah there was totally like a punk rock night which i grew up on and then there was a metal night which was usually the saturday and that's what you grew up on <laughs> yep <laughs> but before we get into the interview jason how was your thanksgiving it we have to talk about this sucked oh. it sucked alex you're not going to put on like your your sunday morning like face like oh everything is great everything no is good. it was it was quite terrible Oh, so we recorded this interview last Monday. Yes. And then as we record, we recording it in the luxurious North Tower Studios. Oh, yeah. We did a field trip. It was fun. Yes. Fantastic. Beautiful studio. Mm-hmm. And we're recording there and I had no cell phone service. And then well, as we were leaving, the texts start rolling in. And one of my kids is not doing well. And the asthma. Yeah. Asthma ah. and pneumonia. Oh, God. And so, like, we're trying to get home, and your car overheated, and we were stuck yeah, in... Yeah, my car had no coolant in it. The beautiful Walmart Lapeer parking lot. Windy as crap. Oh, my gosh, it was so cold. I, I know this this term gets thrown around a lot, but I think it was colder than a witch's tit. It, yes, it was. That wind was awful. And <laughs> stuck there... We and, said nippy? Yeah, we, we got it covered. <laughs> We got it covered. Most uh, people people might think we're talking about boobs in this episode, no, but we're not. Metal. It's metal. Metal boobs. No. no. <laughs> no. You went there. <laughs> I did. You went there. I did. Uh, no, but then the next morning we checked Gunner's pulse ox level and it was ridiculously low. You're supposed to be at like 99. Yeah. Just so people know. And he was at 82. And when you get to the 70s, you turn blue and die. So not good. Ridiculously low. Jess took him in. They did x-rays on his chest. He had full-blown pneumonia. 
and then they transferred him to a different hospital because he was just getting worse. So, so yeah. Needless to say, our every year we go down to Indiana for Thanksgiving, like I mentioned in our Thanksgiving episode with Hillary McBride, and we didn't get to do that this year because we had kids. And I started feeling like crap, too, so whatever cold they had. So what did you do instead, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, we had dinner at Jess's parents' house. Nice. Which was nice, but, you know, all the watching the football games and everything, which I I like doing. You know, I'm not the biggest football fan there is, but I like just being around family and watching football and just shooting the breeze or whatever. So I I really missed out on all that stuff. So instead, I hung up Christmas lights outside, which I also love doing. So I got a head start on that. Wow. But yeah, not not the typical. Mine was really uneventful. Yeah. How was yours? I showed up. I ate. I took a nap. And then when I woke Isn't up, that I, exactly what you said you were yeah. going to do. <laughs> and then when I woke up, everybody was playing uh, Disney songs for my daughter to dance to. And she was just dancing around. the Was living. she putting on a show? Yeah, she was just dancing around, singing. And then it was funny, Jason. So it is adorable. I had all of our podcasting gear sitting out and I had to, I had to get into our tote. We keep all of our podcasting gear in a tote when we, when we go on these field trips, you know, try and stay organized. Yeah. Um, and I left it open because I had to get something out of it real quick. And then all of a sudden we hear a singing coming from my daughter. She's just singing nonsensical words and whatnot. I'm like, what? what? Why is she just singing for no apparent reason? And I look, and in the living room, she's dancing around. She has your mic nice. in her hands. And she's just dancing around, has the mic in her hand, just singing. It was really, it was really adorable. Yeah. But yeah, no, nothing other than just watching my daughter, you know, become the next American Idol. I didn't really have anything going on for Thanksgiving. So, yep. Alex, boring. Jason, full of events. Yeah. Well, not the events I wanted it to be full of, but we made it work. Mm -hmm. We made it work. But Jason. I do have to say, Jess's mom makes better food than my family does. I'm not saying my my family's food's bad, but Jess's Jess's mom's like my mother in law's like Thanksgiving dinner food is that much better. There you go. So that that was the Jason one has redeeming. favorites. Everybody, Jason has yeah. picked his favorites. Yeah. So Jason, do you are you ready to just thrash? I'm, I'm ready to rock out. Just hear the most crushing music in your entire life. Let's do this. You're gonna need an epidectomy after this. I don't know what that is, but I'll gladly. All right, let's let's play this episode. This is not your pastor's metal episode. So you think you have a figure? All right, guys. We're here in North Tower Studios in Lapeer, Michigan, and we are here with two of my good friends, Brian Gorecki. Say, what's up, Brian? Hi. <laughs> Don't let them around your kids, okay. folks. <laughs> would, you, would you prefer me go, hey, guys? Yeah. Yes, I would prefer that. Actually, to just... the pedophile voice, yes, okay. I would. Hi. Is this, is this suitable? That's good enough. Hi. That's good Hi. enough. Hi, everyone. And uh, then to my, and to my right, I have a good friend of mine, Chris Herr. Hello there. See, Chris is just calm, cool, collective. It's because he's very conservative. <laughs> and then always, as with me, is Jason Duncan. Hey, guys. <laughs> we are here at North Tower Studios, kind of doing a little field trip, This Jason. feels like the most professional 
Like I feel very professional right now. We are. I mean, this is this is we're in the belly of the beast right now. This is going to be the best sounding audio I feel like ever. Yeah. I'd be disappointed if it was the worst. I don't have anything else to add to that. (laughs) But today we kind of wanted to sit down with these guys because they are in a a metal project, a band, and kind of reliving their dreams a little bit. And I just so I happen to be along for the ride. They they asked me to be in the band with them, which is a dream come true for me. I remember, I think one of my first bringing down Broadway shows, and that's the band we're talking about. We're talking about bringing down Broadway. BDB. So it's important to include that. It is important to. I'm sure we'll put it in the in the show notes somewhere. <laughs> but we are here. Uh, we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk BDB. But I remember growing up uh, in Lapeer, Michigan. I mean, there's nothing out in Lapeer. If you think about it, that you if you're not riding a tractor, you're really doing nothing on a Friday night in Lapeer. And so, like, what we would do is we would go to shows. <laughs> and one of the biggest shows that you could go to at the time, and this is like 2006, 2007, was going to a Bring Down Broadway show playing, and they were playing somewhere in a church basement. And I mean, I'm sure everybody out there has like different experiences with. With going to basement shows, but I mean this this is the this was the piece de resistance, as the French would say. And so we used to go to BDB shows, and I remember just being being a young Christian man, not really into the whole Chris Tomlin, David Crowder music scene that was going on, the CCM music. And I was like, I need something better, and especially something better that's Christ honoring and Christ glorifying. And who do I find? Bringing down Broadway. <laughs> So uh, why don't you guys, Brian and uh, Chris, kind of talk about the story about how you guys met and how you guys started the band? Because, I mean, before you guys started the band, you guys were friends first. And so your guys' relationship goes back way further than when the band started. So if you guys want to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, we actually were friends a lot longer than the band. We met in the 1991-1992 school year uh, at a place called Lynch Elementary here in Lapeer, Michigan. So... We're going on uh, like 25 or 26 years now. Elva Lynch, man. <laughs> Is that the school or a, Good times. a teacher? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Elva it's Lynch. That was our elementary school. Um, we, what, second grade? Third grade. Third grade, yeah. Third grade. Um, I guess I'll tell you, I'll tell my perspective and then he'll, he'll, he can. That's generally how we when we people ask it. Well, here I'll tell you my perspective first. Everything was fine. I just right, thought everything ahead. was just perfectly fine. <laughs> <laughs> now he'll tell you his perspective. So, um, Chris was special. Let's start off there. No, uh, so uh, you know, school year started off. Everything's uh, you know routine, and um, I, I was fairly new to the area. Uh, just moving from uh, the Roseville, uh, Roseville area, and uh, so I was, you know, kind of like looking for new friends and whatnot. And um, <clears throat> so I see Chris uh, sitting there, and he's he's like, <laughs> at, at some point, you can you can see him pretending to like, <laughs> you can see him. <laughs> Pretending to rack a gun and load a, load a gun, like with his hands, with his bare hands, and I was like, "Wow!" And then he's pretending to blast 
blast people. This is the early 90s. This is, this is a different this time. Third, third grade. Yeah, yeah this uh, no joke. He's <laughs> pretending to blast people in the classroom with this this gun that he's imagining. And I was like, and I looked over at him. I was like, this guy's cool. <laughs> this guy is awesome. Oh, <laughs> I was like, that's cool. Uh, and then I think sim- something similar. He actually saw me. I was using uh, 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 my pretending the a pencil. Yes. My pencil was a slide of, of the barrel, the gun. So that was my first year here in Lapeer. We moved here from Lakeville, but not like Lakeville schools, like uh, where the lake called Lakeville Lake is. Yeah. Up over here. And I was new and I looked around and I remember thinking to myself like, everyone looks haughty and pompous. I don't like any of these people. <laughs> and I look all the way across the classroom by the window and I see this guy with this uh, James Bond combed over hair and a pencil <laughs> cocking it, shooting a girl. And she's screaming, you're nine. And he's just like, you're dead. <laughs> and I said to myself, that's going to be my new best friend. Yeah, But we weren't best friends right away. It took a while. His mom yeah. uh, was... Told him to stay away from me for yeah, my, my, for some reason or another. My mom definitely looked at Chris and was like, "Well, he's special." <laughs> yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, we I, I guess it just kind of developed from there. We'd we'd hang out and talk, and uh, um, we yeah, you know, we saw each other every day and stuff. And tell the bathroom story. Oh man, now yeah, that's another one. Uh. I, yeah, I went into the little boy's room, and uh, Chris is in there. This and, is why his mom wouldn't let me hang out with him Yeah, first. yeah. I should. Yeah, and, and he's he's in the bathroom, and um, I walk in there, and I, I, and I see Chris standing with his hands, like, on the the sides of the, the sink in there, and, uh, and he's looking in the mirror, and... <laughs> Believe it or not, he starts like he he balls up his hand into a fist and he starts going and hitting like his face the side of his face. And I'm like, what's wrong with this guy? You know, and um and uh and that pretty much I, I I came up to him, I was like, Well, what are you doing? And he's like, I well, you know. If I, if I can get my myself, if I can make my, my nose bleed, I go to the nurse, and she'll send me home for the day. <laughs> that and takes I commitment. Like, <laughs> I was like, what? I mean, I was witnessing, uh, at a, a very young age, I was witnessing a scene from Flight Club, essentially. <laughs> I was going to say, just imagine a seven-year-old Tyler Durden. That's yeah, yeah. That's just kind of what... No joke. Now, let me say now as a 34-year-old man, all grown up now, that it is irresponsible to ever get out of school and that you should always stay in school <laughs> and always learn everything that's being taught to you. Yeah. I do not endorse or condone any form of school skipping. <laughs> it's a good message to all. the little one. <laughs> we have we have tons of little listeners. <laughs> Yo, you you didn't like school at all, did you, Chris? Because I remember you, you no. told me stories like... Where you specifically just didn't try because you just really just wanted to go home for the day. That is accurate. <laughs> well, the thing is, is um, uh, I know I I grew up okay. I I was always like a slow learner, always lagging behind, you know, with reading, spelling, whatever, math. And um, Chris, Chris has always like excelled. I mean, like in whatever he wanted to do. I mean, even to this day, whatever. I mean, he 
but like as you know as a kid it's like oh wow this 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 boy's really you know he's showing all kinds of progress but if he wanted to like he would because he hated school so much he would just be like well i'm not gonna learn anything today (laughs) and and uh he did that for a while and i i think at some point um they they were like what they you they well here's what happened you actually got held back yes yes I uh I did poor on purpose because I wanted to stay in all the classes Brian was in, and I knew right, if I just so. did poor enough, they're like, oh, well, we'll just put all the all bottom math people. They all go in this group, and I was like, yes, I'll be with Brian. I did that for years until yeah. I got held back, and it's like, dang it, because <laughs> yeah. I actually had to be. So well. I actually had uh uh because I was fall I was falling so far behind that they would they would pull me out of of the class and put me into the special people class. <laughs> No, you know, I was just, uh, you know, so we could get caught up, basically. Yeah. We would be uh, put into the uh, different room, and we'd get caught up, and then meet back up with the rest of the class. And, and he would, yeah, he would purposely sabotage his own education <laughs> so that he could be in that classroom with me, because it was a smaller group, and we would, you know, we'd goof around and stuff. And my mom even actually um, helped out with the reading group like that, and so he would make sure he was... Uh, he could chime in in that class. So. Like I have a memory so, but, of him. I have a memory of him. Like my mom trying to teach us, like a group of four or five, and um, my Chris is jumping up onto the tables, and like I don't know. I I don't remember what exactly he was doing, but he was probably screaming a quote from a movie or like pretending to shoot everybody. But and my mom be like, Chris, get down from the table. We gotta go over this reading material. That's kind of interesting too, because I mean, if if you think about it, we 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 talk a lot about our our friends over at the Red Rum Theater podcast, and they, and it, that's Tony and Ernesto. They have a podcast where they literally talk about how movies raised them. And it sounds like when I when I listen to your guys' stories and, uh, and playing with guns, and like making little gun sounds and stuff in class, and uh, James Bond and just all this stuff, you guys really have been influenced by movies. Yeah, for sure. You know. Uh, I've always wanted to talk to those guys because I feel I was raised just like they were. I came from a poor home that had not really any parental control. So I was raised by two things, 1980s action movies and Brian Grecki's mom, Linda Grecki. Um, I was starving all the time. So I was like, hey, Brian, can I come over? And I'd go over there and his parents would make me food, things like that. I'd stay every weekend at his house whenever I could. Oh, the whole summer, all two months of it, I'd stay with the Greckis the whole time. So I always call his mom, mom number two, because that's it. that's like the role that she fulfills. And to this day, I've, I like I don't believe in swearing. I don't smoke. I've never been drunk a day in my life, and I equate that to wanting to be that 1980s protagonist who always did the right thing when no one was looking, and always when everyone else was doing the wrong things, he would do the right things. So I still like equate the the man I became today to one his mother and two 1980s action flicks, just like those guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He he. Uh, Chris was like. You know, he was over. Oh, I was over his house all the time. He's over mine. But like, yeah, we we were basically raised together. Even though we're we're just best friends. I mean, we're basically like blood because you know we. I feel like that's becoming like a rarer thing nowadays to have friends that extend past the like even like the five year or ten year mark, because especially now with like Facebook, every it's it's more about the quantity of friends as opposed to the quality of your of your friendships and like i i can think of a yeah. couple people i can think of like maybe like a half dozen people that i've known for 20 years that have, i can say that i've called my friends 
But like again, like your guys' friendship, twenty five years or or well, more. A lot of it, I think. A lot of it. I mean, obviously, us getting along and and uh, you know having common Similar interests. interests. And, yeah, obviously, all that. But I think um, uh, a lot of it is um, like going like what he says. Uh, my my parents' influence. Uh, my mom and her uh, best friend. Uh, I mean, or sister. Uh, essentially, they they had a relationship like that where they were basically friends from, you know, elementary school all the way until, uh, you know, uh, now. And um, so uh, a lot of it is like, I think, a lot of influence from uh, my parents or, uh, you know, stuff like that. So what got you guys... So you're you're these two kids. You guys are you're you're you got fake guns. You're constantly at each other's houses. All this stuff. Uh, what what made you guys think one day? You know what? We should maybe start getting into this music thing. It was funny because growing up, we always we wanted to join the Marine Corps together. We had Marine Corps clubs, and we would go out and we'd like do missions ourselves in the woods and did things like that. So we were in camouflage with guns this whole time. Sounds familiar. All the way up typical eighty kids. All the way up till our woods. teenage years, and then we went to actually it was an exit one eighty and a Johnny Respect concert at the Picks, and uh, went there and saw this punk rock show and people were going crazy and it was loud and wild and we're now becoming teenagers and we just saw that and we're like, dude, we got to get into that. Yeah, man. <laughs> so the next Sunday, we went to the flea market after church because we'd always go there, which I still go there to this day. I love the flea market and. Um, his dad's like, oh, Brian, you want this guitar? Bought him a really crappy, for like $35, black guitar and a black amp. And we took it home and we're like, yeah, dude, this is where it all starts. <laughs> <laughs> so on, so we, we, yes, that's between the two of us, free. we scratched up a bunch of can money and we bought a cheap drum set from a pawn shop in Emily City. And then Brian bought a bass guitar. Well, rather his mom bought it for him. Yeah. And uh, a bass amp. And we just like, Let, let's start playing together. And we found a drummer. His name was Justin Sayers. And we said, let's not learn anyone else's music, and that's not even like really learn how to play. Let's just make our own music starting now. So like that was our goal the whole time. Like let's just make originals the whole time. So six months after playing, we had a bunch of originals. I mean, they were terrible, but they were they were ours, you know. So that's that. awesome, dude. I feel like every small town in America has two friends just like that who start a band together with almost that identical story. Yeah, that, that's sweet, man. Uh, it it was. It was definitely uh, like a long, slow process when I look back at it. It wasn't just like, you know, like, oh, we found our sound and we're, you know, this is it, you know, and we just, you know, take off and, and start playing shows and, you know, like it was a slow, long process from um, from our early influences, like he's saying, Exit 180. And there were other influences along way, and we we definitely went in stages of like different style of of metal and like and we got harder and heavier and and through that process we learned and uh, you know experiences and stuff watching other bands going to concerts talking to people Chris is you know uh, I mean we're all self taught but it, it, specifically Chris because you know he's on the technical side of it and you know with a guitar and stuff uh but yeah we're all we we taught ourselves essentially and bounced ideas off each other and stuff like that and it, it was just long over the years long process but eventually we landed and ended up with uh you know uh 
what we were called Gage, and then along the way we changed our name at some some point. It's funny to me because like so, Chris's wife Christina, she brings out the the family albums, and it's not pictures of your guys's family per se. It's just pictures of Gage slash bringing down Broadway. (laughs) These are the family heirlooms and the family you know the albums, and it's funny to like. See you guys. Obviously, it's it's always fun to like look at yourself and be like, man, I'm getting old. Like, look at how young I used to be. But like looking at some of these, like looking through some of the pictures, seeing all these old, all these bands, like back before they were got huge. Like I, I remember looking at a picture of you guys with Zayo. Yeah. And then like there was another picture. I mean, this is a little bit more controversial, but you guys with Azalea dying. <laughs> so yeah. Well, they. I mean, honestly, they were huge influence on us. Uh, and um, but not in the wife killing spe- respect uh, uh, well i don't have a wife <laughs> <laughs> just throwing that out there <laughs> um brian is single ladies well he didn't kill his wife he solicited yeah. to have her killed yeah. so yeah. anyway a little um, bit different that's why he only did seven years but no as la dying was a big influence specifically on like my my vocal style uh at the time um but yeah i mean a lot of bands like that, like I was saying, a lot of uh, influence, and those were all influenced on our style uh, in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, and talk about feeling old. Uh, we started, it was 1998. That's <laughs> when we got that black guitar and started playing. Yes. So 20 years ago now. And, uh, oh, man, that's, that, is a, that is a while. And we played a whole lifetime and then ended up breaking up when I joined the Marine Corps. And then I started having kids, and I got a nine-year-old son now. So like looking back, like... So take take us through what what that is. I feel like this is like almost like like behind the music VH1 with <laughs> with bringing down Broadway. What did that? So you guys are starting to play. You guys are starting to write originals. When did it finally click for you guys? Like, oh snap! I think we're actually good at this. Uh, well, it was when Justin Sayers decided to leave, and that was like the Gage <laughs> era. Not that he was bad, or that was the reason, but he left, and then we got Pete Kalinowski. And that changed everything for mm-hmm. us because he already was like playing at a professional level. He was like levels above the rest of us. So like now I always tell everyone like when we write music, I, we always try to write 10 or 15% above our level and force ourselves to get better. But he was like 100% above our level. So it just forced us all to catch up to him. And that's really what made us all better. Yeah. Uh, Pete was, <coughs> Pete coming in the band was like, I think if you could uh, pinpoint a moment and that would be, uh yeah that would definitely be the marker where we were all like i i I don't know how many times i looked at chris and said oh my gosh this guy is good i was like he makes it sound so awesome and uh you know yeah i feel like the drums drive that though like like i remember like being a kid and playing in bands and i had my favorite band growing up was the band everclear and i had this like demo tape of our recordings and i uh i'd follow them on tour so they're playing shows in ohio and indiana and detroit and here i am showing up at every show and i i handed art alexakis my demo tape and i was going to be there at the next show the next night in the next town and i showed up and i was like hey man did you did you listen to it he's like yeah get yourself a good drummer (laughs) (laughs) well actually he said well kick your drummer out and find somebody who can play drums and then the song is your god like Put everything you you talk about you know fifteen percent or above your level. That's pretty much what he was saying in his own language. But it's just like it's amazing that a drummer can do that. 
Yeah. Just really raised the bar. And I mean, it automatically makes you a tighter sounding band. Well, when they say a drummer is the backbone of a band, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> That's where it comes from. Yeah, yeah. I remember playing in bands and not having a very good drummer. And it like literally it killed us. Like when we when we went to record our final EP, we just we we didn't have our actual drummer drum. Like we he we recorded him playing drums and then our guitar player and singer just went back and re-recorded all the drums because they just they sounded awful Mm -hmm. and yeah so i understand drummers are important god bless our drummers yeah so you guys are you guys are getting somewhere you got pete k now in the band so what happens next after that people want to know how did how did this little band from lapeer michigan all of a sudden start to go we're 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 buying a van we're buying a trailer and we're um, going to tour the U.S. and try and make this thing work. Music-wise, the next step was, Brian used to sing really high-pitched all the time like yeah. Zayo, but it didn't sound like Zayo. It sounded like a pterodactyl. <laughs> and if you, I can give you some clips so you can A-B them back and forth. <laughs> it was and then we just, it was Brian, really bad. just, no, just make your voice as low as it can go, like Dan from Zayo at the end of a tool to scream. That's what we want. And he's like, I'll work on it. And he did by himself for a long time. And then he just showed up and he's like, all right, guys, I'm going to try something new. And then he just had the Gorecki low scream, which was just crushing and punishing. And anyone who saw him to this day will like can still do a test to that. And then after that, we started doing shows and just started getting noticed, really, because Pete killed it on the drums and Gorecki just killed it with his voice. And I, it was sweet because... It made it easier on all the stringed people. We didn't have to try as hard because people just liked us just because of that. That didn't mean we didn't like not try to get better. We always tried to get better, but having a front man and a drummer like that, yeah. that was like the biggest thing. And I mean, we we started playing tours with bigger bands and they're like, man, your singer's just crushing. He's just crushing all of us. And he was just a tiny 125 pound skinny guy at the time. <laughs> yeah, I remember yeah. looking back at some of those old videos and like you literally a stiff breeze could probably blow over Brian. Yeah, well, and- I... I- I mean, even to this day, I, uh, like I'm in school, uh, people, you know, I'll tell them about the band and yada, yada, yada. And then they come up to me and they're like, I, when I met you, I didn't think you could do something like that. And I was like, you know what? Sometimes I surprise myself. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, I don't know. It, a lot of practice. A lot of practice. Oh my gosh. So why don't we take a quick break real quick and then we'll, uh, we'll come back and we'll finish up and wrap up with, uh, bringing down Broadway. Hey, what's going on, Not Your Pastors Podcast fans? This is The Break. Welcome to it. And what you're going to hear in a second is a song called The Farewell Address, recorded uh, by Bringing Down Broadway uh, in North Tower Studios. And you guys are going to really enjoy it. It's it's an old song that they did, but what they did was they went back and they re-recorded five of their best old songs, and they put them all on an EP called A Place We Once Called Home. That's going to be coming out soon, so look out for that, and I hope you guys enjoy this track.
Fire at will, Commander. Fire at will, Commander. Yeah. So yeah, movies, That's music, <laughs> bringing down Broadway. It's all here at Not Your Pastors Podcast. And we are back with the guys from Bringing Down Broadway. We were kind of going through their story a little bit. Uh, let's you know fast forward a little bit. They get huge. All right, they, they're just as big as any of the other what? other bands out there. You know, like like Bono and U2. Just as big as them, just raking in the cash left and right, hand, making money hand over fist. And that. then Chris, her, and Brian, they they kind of they kind of say to themselves, ah, maybe we're ready for the next stage of life. So talk a little bit about that, guys. Talk why why is BDB ha- having to have a return show? Because at some point you guys stopped. Well, I just want to go on the record and say that. <laughs> It just was all the record that you we just did you not, pissed all your millions no, away. We did not rack in money, <laughs> and we were not on Bono's level at all as far as financials and and uh, all that. But okay, just as big um, as Kill Switch Engage. Got it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no. Uh, um, it's um, obviously a hyperbole. Let's see. Um, we uh, well, it all really fell apart when we toured a lot for a couple years in yeah, a row. I guess. We tried to get signed to Solid State Records, and we turned down a deal to Face Down Records. And when we said no to that, right after that, for today, <clears throat> took that deal. And then they went on to become very successful. And um, we had a friend who worked for Solid State, and he said they were going back and forth between two bands, us and a band called Once Nothing, who were good buddies of ours. And they ended up choosing Once Nothing because at the end they decided, let's look at MySpace and see who's got the, the biggest uh, tour coming up. And they had a tour that was longer than ours, so they took them. And then they wrote and recorded their first album. And then shortly afterwards, they broke up, stopped being a band. And just at that point, we all were just kind of getting a little burnt out and tired. And it's like everything in life. As you learn, everything's a double-edged sword. It's good and bad. It goes, it goes both yeah, ways. Yeah, uh, I, that's, uh, that, that's a good way of uh, putting it all. Because um, it was definitely, it's bittersweet. You know, it's real bittersweet. Like you're on the road. And you're touring, and you, you know, and we were out for months sometimes, and we, you, you know, you, you, you love what you're doing, but when you're out on the road, you, you, you have a tendency, just a natural tendency to miss home, and miss, honestly, uh, just like everyday life, like routine, community, yeah, yeah, yeah. community routine, uh, you know, maybe going to your church, just. Your, your thing, you know, at home, you really tend to miss it. But then you come home, you're home for a week or so, and then you just have like this, you have this passion like, man, I just want to get out and see new faces every day like I do and tour and be in the van, crammed in the van at times, you know, you are you know it's it's uncomfortable, but that's part of the, you know, experience and the fun and you're, you know, it's just like, I want to play shows and be from state to state. I, but, remember, um, I remember like being in a, in a band and like being like, oh man, if we could just make it to where we can start doing tours, like that would just be so awesome. Yeah. And like, I remember when I was starting to come up and be like growing up and like being in a band and like seeing what a band is like bringing down Broadway was kind of ending when I was starting to start my band career mm-hmm. and like seeing you guys and t- hear, like listening to you guys' story, like, yeah, it's fun touring, but it's also really awesome to have a family and to be home. 
and just to like spend time in your hometown and just have that community, like you said, Jason. And it, and it kind of grounded me a little bit, so I didn't like reach for the stars per se, because it's like I know that this thing could be good, but I also know that what we have here, what we have, just being at home, having community, have starting a family is in some ways better than being on the road all the time. It's not for everybody. Yeah, for uh, sure. Yeah, it's. I I mean, um, it just. I get okay. Well, I guess for me, it um, for me, I I got. Uh, Personally, I just got burnt out over over a while, a while, uh, you know, over the years, and I I just wanted a break from it all. Um, but instead of you know making it a a break, I was just you know I wanted to go to school and focus at the time uh, on uh, relationships and stuff like that and home life, and um, and and for me, I think. Uh, the deal that you know uh, the record deals and stuff like that that we were looking at and we potentially had in front of us i was um for me i was like kind of putting all my eggs in one basket and saying oh this and this is this is it this is it and instead i should have been like well you know shouldn't get too you know pumped up over this and uh, just kind of like you know so when that didn't work out the way we had hoped it i don't know that did a lot of uh damage for me i think yeah i i feel like that's kind of a the misconception of like younger bands like you work your butts off yeah. you you put your your music together you you play shows weekend after weekend and then you get to a point where you're touring and you're touring non-stop and you're searching really hard for that record label deal and you either get it or you don't mm-hmm. and i know like in, in my band's case we finally signed to a record label that some of our favorite bands had played on. Uh, it doesn't exist anymore, but it's it was Sailor Records, and Anathella was on Sailor Records, and we were just absolutely in love with them. And they signed us, and we're like, ooh, we can breathe now. And that wasn't the case at no. all. It was like twice as much work. And mm-hmm. I totally get that burnt-out aspect. It's like, when does, when does this end? It just keeps going, going. Yeah. Yeah, and we got to a point where we toured all the time, and we thought like, "Oh, this, all these shows are gonna be great," and it would be somewhere awesome. We'd have like six or seven hundred kids one day would sell of our merch. We have to get a bunch more ordered and mailed to the next city over, and then we'd get to another show and it'd be a barn in in the middle of Missouri. Yeah, and be seven kids. You're there. playing on a Tuesday or something. Yeah, and the, or uh, we did a couple tours where we got to. We had one tour in particular where we got to Chino, California which that's 54 straight hours from where we live. And uh, one of the bands got crashed and wrecked their van, and the other band dropped off for financial reasons. So there's just the two of us left. And I said, oh, well, all the shows canceled. The next, like, 12 days canceled. So that was our route home. So we had to drive from Chino, California, back to Michigan, trying to hop on any shows we could. And But, I mean, just stuff like that, just kind of burned everyone out. You know, two of us were married at the time, so we just wanted to get home and see our wives and things like that. So then, Chris, you did something <clears throat> equally brutal as starting a metal band. You went and joined up with the Marine Corps. So what was that like? I mean, you're like, uh, was it was that always something that you wanted to do? Uh, yeah, it was awesome. It was always something I wanted to do. Me and Brian wanted to do it together. And just as we got older, uh, you know, our past diverged a little bit. And he went his way and I went mine. I was married and uh, I never thought my wife would ever go for it. And then one day she's like, you know... Uh, I see you like talking about it and stuff like that. If you want to do something like that, go ahead and do it. So I signed up right away and went off and I did eight years in the Marine Corps and it was awesome. 
Uh, it's another experience. It's the, like I said, everything in life is a double. It's a double-edged sword. So it was awesome and terrible at the same time. I'd be gone for you know ten months away from my family at a time. I'd deploy to a combat zone and I'd get like four phone calls the whole time while we're there or something like that. And um, you know, I uh, did eight years and I spent almost five of them away from my family and stuff like that. So there's great reward, but it you know comes with great sacrifice. Uh, it was awesome. I loved my time in. You know, I missed it sometimes, just like I missed the band and things like that. Um, but there's pros and cons to just every path you take in life, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I remember you would come home, like, you'd get, like, a week's vacation off, and I made sure, like, oh, I got to see Chris while he's up here. And now it's cool because now that you're out of the Marine Corps, you're back here in Lapeer, Michigan. You opened up a studio. You do all, all, this great, all these great things, and we'll get into that, those a little bit. But now I get to see you. I get to see Brian. I get to see everybody all over again, like, it's, it's like you getting the crew back together, like in the Blues Brothers when they have to get the band back together. <laughs> so it's like we're on a mission from God. Um, but now you're home. You 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 left the Marine Corps. You said bye bye to the Marine Corps, uh, and you started a you started a business. You started a recording studio. So what went into that? Because you you did music. You went over there. You killed the bad guys in the Marine Corps, and now you're back here recording music. Uh, well, it's funny. I mean, a lot of things went into it. Uh, I was raised like I had not. I didn't have anything, but I always wanted a lot of things. So I just told myself, like, well, if there's anything I want, I'm going to figure out a way to get it. So from a very young age, I learned, like, very well how to buy, sell, trade, and barter and stuff like that and just work. I consider, like, life as a whole game of bigger and better where you're just constantly trying to trade and upgrade to get the best that you can. And while I was in the Marine Corps... I found a way to monetize a lot of things that I did there. I made a holster gunsmithing and knife company, and I did that when I was down there, and there were lots of uh, clientele because of the area, and um, did that for a long time. And when I got out and moved back up here, I packed up all my stuff into a storage unit, and I went on a deployment. It was my last deployment. I was gone for uh, about six months, and while I was gone for those six months, everyone in that same field of like Kydex making and holster making and knife making they all made a bunch of huge advancements in that short amount of time while I was gone. So when I got back, I just kind of took the wind out of my sails. I felt like, oh, they're all just they're so far ahead, I don't really feel like doing that much anymore. And I was moving back to Michigan. We were going to spend a bunch of money to really like invest in those businesses. And I told my wife, I said, oh, let's just hold off on that. I'll just stay at the same level on that. But what I really want to do is I want to build a studio in our house. And I want to start playing again. And I want to see if I can monetize this as well. Um, so she said, yeah, all right, go ahead. She gave me some money. Uh, she gave me 2700 bucks. And I bought all the materials. I had a lot of the, the equipment already from playing previously and from doing stuff on the side. And I spent the first 49 days out of the Marine Corps building the studio. And I got it all done and started advertising and recording bands and recording friends and people that I knew. And now I slowly have been developing this business. Yeah, so it's it's really interesting because you got an amazing job. I don't want to. This studio that, is it's, it's amazing. Down this here. studio is awesome, and a lot of sweat and blood went into this. Mostly mine. Just kidding, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> That's because I don't bleed. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody makes me bleed my own blood. Yeah, Nobody. <laughs> but I remember, like, so you you just come back. It's like one of my good friends, you, Chris. By the way, Chris and Brian were both in my uh, my wedding party. They were my groomsmen. My good friend Chris is finally back from the Marine Corps, and he's just like, hey, man, you should go, let's go, come over and hang out. And I'm like, oh, yeah, let me come over and hang out. He's like, all right, today we're mudding. We're mudding the drywall. Or like, 
Uh, Alex, you should come over. We'll hang out. We'll play pool because Chris has a pool table in his basement. We'll play pool. We'll listen to music and stuff. And then I show up here. He's like, all right, we're going to run the electrical now. And so we, I, we were, I was just always over here and we were working on the studio because I believed in it. I was like, you know what? This is going to be an extremely awesome experience. And I cannot wait to see this thing fully, fully armed and operational. <laughs> Battle station, <laughs> Battle station of, a, of, a, of a recording studio. So let's talk a little bit about bringing down Broadway's return because things are a little bit different now. I mean, you, we're, we're not all, you know, in our teens and we, we, you know, we don't have curfews anymore, but instead of curfews, we traded those in for wives and kids. So what does that look like now starting a band again? You guys are in your thirties. I'm in my late twenties. Like my wife reminded me the other day, she's like a year and a half and you'll be 30. And then she's like, then you'll be dead. And I'm going to collect oh, that insurance man. money. And I'm like, <laughs> Thanks, sweetheart. You'll be dead. Well, you'll be dead. <laughs> so what's that like now, like standing a band back up? Because I feel like that's a, that's a common theme that's happening all around. There's bands starting to prop themselves back up again, per se. Yeah, what's your guys' well, vision? Well, um, I think it kind of goes back to, uh, well, because Chris went in the Marines, and around shortly thereafter, I moved. I moved to Texas. Um, following our, our bass player, Seth, uh, and, um, you know, just seeking job opportunities out there and stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, when Chris would have downtime, he, uh, he came and visited a few times and we'd, uh, you know, mess around with recordings. We, we re-recorded old stuff and, you know, just for the fun of it. But I think, uh, even before, during that time and even before then, it was always kind of like, in our heads, wouldn't you say like not not like this, not where we're at right now, but it you know at the time like years ago we were like you know we were like oh it'd be cool you know it'd be cool to get back together. And when stuff. we stopped, but, I feel like we we weren't fully done. Uh, I kind of feel a little bit like yeah, the band was supposed to continue after I left, and that wasn't the case. Um, when it comes to the band, I, I do a majority of everything. I'm kind of like the. I guess like the the centerpiece that like holds everyone together. When I left, the band just kind of just went asunder. Um, and I think I kind of got like a, I think unconscious depression because of it. Because I stopped playing all musical instruments for like four or five years after that, from 2008 until the very end of 2012. So almost five years. And what changed me was I was trying out for special forces, and I kept listening to this album over and over and over again by a band called The Human Abstract, and I loved them. And then they broke up shortly afterwards, and I was really disappointed. Well, eight months later, they released an album with no singing, and I looked, and it wasn't on any label. They just recorded themselves for fun and just put it out, maybe to be, you know get some residual. Is that the Moonlight like Sonata that. album? Yes, yes. and oh. I love that album. So I called both Brian and Seth on like a merged call, and I said, "Hey guys, what do you think about playing together from three different states and just recording and just putting it out there and, and see what happens?" And they were totally on board. We started recording in 2012. And um, we did five songs, our five oldest songs that we didn't get a chance to ever record back in the day. Well, at least not to our liking. And um, and it's taken a long time, but now finally in 2000, well, it'll probably be 2018, I'm about to finally release those after uh, getting all the well, files from Seth and fixing all of that. Well, Chris, uh, you know, after Chris got out of the Marines, he moved back uh, back home to Lapeer and stuff and got, got this house and everything. And then... Um, Hey, by the way, the, the the studio is in Chris's basement. Yeah, 
I mean, there's not too many basements that are set up. I mean, we Jason and I always joke about the basement that we record out of, but th- I mean, this is this is this is big league here. It's much nicer. Yeah, <laughs> it's huge. It's not as musty smelling. Yeah, huge it's not just like one room in your mom's basement. It's, it's like I have a ranch style house, so the whole downstairs is like dedicated to the studio. There's a there's like a lounge, a fireplace, a pool table, its own bathroom, a little kitchenette, couches, an N64, of course, yeah. and then the studio live room, the control room, and stuff. So uh, there's and a one- whole lot of GI Joe. Toys. Oh yeah, there is a there <laughs> is a giant GI yeah. Joe diorama for my kids because it's so big. I need a place to put it. But there's a, a set of stairs and a door that like separates it. So the bands, I have two driveways. The bands pull in the other driveway, park down by the back door, and can like come in and out on their own. And they don't uh, bother my family. My family doesn't bother them. Yeah, it's the it's the ideal setup. Mm. It's it's really you've done a nice job down here. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. So I I gotta say this real quick though, because as far as I understand, and musicians from the early 2000s would love this you wrote all the music on tabit yes um <laughs> i bought amazing. tabit in 2000 it was 19 dollars. it was a microsoft program i loved it and i've written every single thing i've ever done on it whether it be uh scores for movies or the metal that we write or the soft music that i write or i write for a lot of other artists now i still do it all on tabit still to this day i tried guitar pro tried a lot of other things didn't just didn't do it for me can we play a tabit clip for people who don't know what it yeah, is. Yeah, of course. And um, it's amazing. When I switched to Max in 2012 or 2013, I had asked Seth Brazili, our bass player, who's pretty tech savvy, if he could make me a version of it to where it will play on a Mac. You know, because it's a Microsoft program, so you kind of have to trick Mac into thinking it's a Mac program and vice versa and stuff. So he did something to it and sent it to me, and it's got a really weird way to install and a really weird way to open everything up. But it runs on Macs, and I still use it to this day, and it's awesome. Yeah, I bet there. I bet there's thousands of musicians, right, who want that right now. Oh, <laughs> uh, actually, uh, like five or six people just reached out to me on Facebook. Just reach out to me on Facebook, and I'll I'll send, I'll put it in Dropbox and give you a link, and then yeah. uh, I'll walk you through the process of getting it to work. So I remember. So like, I'm I'm skyping with Chris, and Chris is sitting in in a room. Uh, in one of his barracks that he's sleeping in and he's like telling he's like he's he has his guitar in his hand and he's like check this riff out and he's like just showing me all these riffs and all of a sudden he just goes hey i want you to i'm gonna stand bringing down broadway up and i want you to be the rhythm guitar player and after i cleaned myself up from crapping my pants i was like <laughs> i gave him an answer which was yes obviously i would but it was really awesome because that's what what you sent me. You just sent me all the tabits, and it's such an easy, awesome program to use and like to practice playing guitar with. Like, if you didn't send me those things, if we didn't have those things at our disposal, that there's no way I would have been able to play because I need to be able to visually see everything being played, and it's just great. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if people will appreciate all the work that goes into it, but. It's it's massively impressive. Well, I became over the years. I'm like a tablet wizard, so I can just blast through it. And uh, I do like full automation and all kinds of stuff in it now, all, all kinds of things. But it's great because you know, because this is a little known fact. But so 
Chris, you what, what your last deployment was? You went to the north. You went to the Arctic, the Arctic Circle. Circle, and I stayed. We stayed in Norway above the Arctic Circle, and we were there for a few months. We slept either out in the field uh, in a, uh, AAVs, which are big armored vehicles, or it's we like Hoth, or we float. Yeah, it's just like Hoth up there, <laughs> and um, a little colder, I think. And or we float around on the boat. So I wrote most of the new Bring on Broadway album on Tabit. There, I had no guitar on me. I just wrote it all on Tabit. So when I sent it to everyone, I said, hey, guys, I'm off the coast, coast of Norway. I wrote all this this metal. What do you guys think? They all wrote back, Norwegian metal, question mark. I said, yes, I guess so. I guess that new Bring on Broadway album is Norwegian, Norwegian metal. But it's 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 good. It's great, especially if you if you're on a on a naval ship somewhere and you can't bring a guitar with you. You have you have Tabit alongside yeah. of you. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta have Tabit. <laughs> For years, I would just send the Tabit to Gorecki and be like, here, write your lyrics to it. And he would write yeah. rough lyrics and he'd say, give me a little bit better of a song now. So then I would take the Tabit drums, I would just play real guitars on it, and I'd send that back to him. And he's like, okay, I finalized the lyrics, let's play it. We'd get to practice, and it wasn't him working on it. It was just, it was done. He would just do it. It was awesome doing it that way. Yeah, not to be a commercial for the product. I don't think I ever got past the gunshot sound effects <laughs> myself, but. <laughs> Alex and Jason are not getting paid to say this. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like Nintendo. It sounds like 8-bit Nintendo stuff. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Best way to write metal. So all well, this to say, you guys have some shows coming up. One more thing on Tabit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's been a lot okay, of... Okay, maybe we are getting paid now. There's, there's been a lot of things uh, that I've wanted to do throughout the years, and we always did everything as a vote. Now it's just, I'm just the boss, and everyone just kind of does what I tell them to do. But back then, it, we, we always took a vote, no matter what it was. And it was always me and Brian against the other three, or it was me and Seth against the other three. And I always lost almost everything. So we always just kind of did all the stuff that they wanted to do. I didn't like the name Bring on Broadway. I wanted something more brutal. That's what we had to go with. I didn't want to do ze- uh, zebras on some shirts. <laughs> I got <laughs> down and we did stuff like that. But one of the yeah. two things I wanted to do, one, I was like, guys, let's make an entire metal Christmas album. It'll be awesome. And they're like, oh, that's so dumb. That'll never sell. That's just a terrible idea. And then August Burns read it, and I was furious. They're one of my favorite bands of all time. They still are. I buy all their albums like the day they come out. But I was so butthurt that they did it. And then um, I said forever, guys, let's put our best song, the Tabit version, as the last song. It would just be awesome. And I was like, no one's going to get it. It's going to be dumb. And guess what? August Burns read did that too. 2011 and 2013. <laughs> and I'm still jealous of that because it sounds awesome. And I just wish we would have done that. I wanted to put a whole album of Tabit out, but everyone voted that down too. But you can't win them all. Yeah. Um, well, uh, I guess just to bring us to like today, uh, uh, Chris, basically the whole, you know, we, we, this was bringing out Broadway, getting back together was in the back of our minds, but Chris basically really orchestrated, uh, okay, we're going to do this, you know, this is going to happen, you know, and, um, uh, Family circumstances brought me back here, <clears throat> excuse me, back here in Michigan um, from uh, my time over there in Texas. And uh, that was it. Chris was like, all right, Grecky's back. <laughs> you know, Alex, you're on guitar. And then we got our, then, a good friend of ours from the band, the good old band days, uh, Brian Wilson, uh, to play bass for us, which is awesome. He's such a good guy. And the fact that he we originally wanted him to play uh, the drums. Because we couldn't get our the original drummer Pete uh, Kalinowski back, 
And then Chris had this open house for his studio, basically opening up the studio for people to come, potential clients to come and check out the studio. And Pete shows up and I'd been practicing bringing down Broadway songs on Tabit in my in my basement. And uh, Chris is Chris sets up some amps. He's like, hey, why don't we just uh, plug in these amps and we'll see what happens. And like Pete sits down on the drums and we start running through just a couple just very roughly some old bringing down Broadway songs. And then Pete looks up at both of us and he says, I'm in. Yeah. Like what I said before about not wanting to be in, I'm in now. Well, Pete, he's always been known as all or nothing Pete. So <laughs> when I got back from my last deployment, I was like, Pete, I'm standing the band back up. You interested? I'm trying to get Greg to move back from Texas. Uh, you want to you play? He's like, not interested. And I was like, you didn't want to hear the new stuff? He's like, not interested. I said, all right, man. Uh, and that was it. And then he came to the open house. We played half the song of With Awake. And then he just stops. He's like... I know what I said, and you know I know about Wilson. Put him on bass. I'm freaking in, guys. I'm freaking in. That's always how. And I thought to myself, like, all or nothing, Pete. That's what I was hoping for. I knew if we played just one song, it'd just be enough to sell it, sell him on it, and it and it worked perfectly. And now we practice every week, and he's here, and he's just sweating all over the place. It's oh, awesome. Oh yeah, he's the most pumped now. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we, uh, Jason, you brought it up. We have, we do have some shows coming up, which is again, this is really weird because now we have to find babysitters for our children, and you know, make the wives are there, and they're not groupies anymore; they're actual wives now, which is nice. Uh, but we have, uh, we're actually playing at the Flint Local is our big return show on December 29th, which is cool because we, you and I, have a little bit of uh, a relationship with the Flint Local because we had Joel Rash on, yeah, and so it's kind of cool. Like I just contacted the Flint local out of the blue and they said, yeah, we'll get you on. And they put us on a show with a couple bands. And so the return of bringing down Broadway is coming back in, uh, uh, December 29th. And then always fun to play the Flint local. It's just that perfect blend of nostalgia and just, it'll be a good that perfect time. blend of nostalgia and a newer, way better sound system. That is the yeah. place where we got our start. So I feel it only fitting that we come back and make a return there. Yeah. And then for, uh, we also have a show, I don't know the details too much about this, so why don't you say the, sh- the Indiana show date? We'll be playing a show at a place called The Well in Indiana, South Bend, Indiana, on January 20th. It's going to be awesome. So I already feel super pumped because I've never played anything. <laughs> you said in- that like, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah, Jason totally. will edit all that stuff out. He'll no, make I'm me not. Awesome. I'm not editing anything. Dang out. it! <laughs> what else do we want to say before we land this plane? Anything else? Is, can, should we get into the whole like Christian metal thing? Oh yeah, we do. Can, we need oh. to do that, or is that like? Oh yeah. So you would ask what what's our vision? Well, I'll tell you what our mission is. Um, we've always been a Christian band, and we're going to continue to do that. And our mission as a band, um, while in the Marine Corps, I spent a lot of time in a lot of really miserable places, uh, but I always learned to make the best of wherever I was. That's just the way it is. Uh, everything in life is what you make of it. It could be great or it could be terrible. I. Say Sounds like, like the Apostle Paul. I say like every day, like, we're extremely blessed because you could have been born in Africa with no arms and no eyes and things like that, but you're not. You were born here in America, and we have great opportunities, and uh, rather than waste those opportunities, it's good to use those to be a positive influence to the rest of the world, uh, to be a beacon of light, you know, in the darkness. So our mission is just to be positively overwhelming at all times um, and just be there for people. Just love people where they are and just continue to play metal and serve the Lord and and just see where that goes. He's been opening a lot of doors for us, and we're just gonna keep stepping through them. I feel like I feel like, especially like a lot of people still to this day, when I tell them I'm in a Christian metal band, they they do the, huh? 
What? That doesn't that those those. You really the, still get that? I, I still know. get that. Yeah, from time uh, to time. Yeah. At college, I tell people I play in a Christian metal yeah. band. They're like, they laugh. They're like, isn't that a double negative? Yeah, I I'm get like, the same no, thing really. in school. I I get you know they're like, how does that work? I can't believe that still. Maybe because I was part of the music scene forever. Like yeah. in the mid two thousands. Yeah, that was like always the first impression like christian metal yeah, no still still i can't believe it's still yeah like it, the stigma still there like i love my mother-in-law to death and she's she loves jesus too and she'd like my my brother-in-law plays in a metal and he plays in a christian hardcore band and she just looks at the both of us and says i, I don't get it <laughs> i just don't get it and so it's it's funny to, to run into those people from time to time but yeah, I feel like also too when when Chris kind of came at me with the vision of bringing down Broadway, he was we were talking about there's there are a lot of metal bands that really do focus just on negative or sometimes even violent uh lyrics and behavior and it, I don't think that really adds to the progression of the human race when you're constantly focusing on the negative. So, yeah, I no, I love that 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 mission that the positivity and loving people where they're at and it's not something that's really surface level, like, we're trying to redeem the genre of metal for Jesus. No, it's like, we're going to, you guys are going to rock out. But yeah, that, that mission statement is, is solid and just being a positive beacon. Like, uh, that's exciting. We're a group of good friends, Christians, and, you know, we're just God-fearing gentlemen. And, and we, we love the Lord and, yeah, you know, I mean, I write with positive lyrics because I'm generally a positive person and I love the Lord. So that, you know, it bleeds through, you know, I write about hope and love and, um, you know, these, uh, you know, just epic uh, adventures that leads to, you know, some kind of positive ending because that's who we are. That's at heart, you know. We're still working on the canon that we shoot at our shows that shoots out just Bible tracks. So look out for that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> gonna win, win We're going to win souls that way. <laughs> just shooting pieces of paper at people's faces. Oh, man. Well, guys, thank you so much. I mean, I know it's not trouble for us to all get together because we're all friends here and sit down in the studio and record an episode. But I, I appreciate you guys' time, and I, I hope, I hope this does something for somebody. I hope, if, especially if you were a Bringing Down Broadway fan, hey, we're back. Like, this is our, one of our official announce uh, ways of announcing that we're back. It's funny to me that it's, I still get people coming up to me and they're like, wait, br Bringing Down Broadway's back? I'm like, yeah, didn't you see it on social media? Like, oh, I didn't know you guys use social media. Like, because like back in the day, like that was like we were still on like MySpace time. Like Facebook really didn't get that popular yet. But no, we're back. We're here. We're going to do a couple other uh, podcast uh, episodes coming up, and we've got some it, shows coming up. Is it weird that every time someone says, bring it on Broadway's back, is it weird that I think of Ghostbusters Part 2? <laughs> say, we're back. We're back. They're here. Oh, 80s movies. <laughs> So yeah, if you guys want to get a hold of us uh, with the social medias, because that's mainly the way people do things nowadays, and we don't have actual physical interactions, we do everything over the internet. Uh, we're on Facebook, that's uh, primarily where we're at, and then we're also on Instagram at BDB Band, and that's where we post a lot of our our pictures of our uh, practices and what's going on. And we you guys have post our... pictures on Instagram. Yeah, it's awesome. It's this new thing, Jason. Get get with the times. I'm gonna have to. <laughs> it's but... pretty big. <laughs> I mean, kind of. 
everybody's using it. But yeah, so that's that's mainly where you guys can get Never a hold of, of us. And we're we're gonna be putting out like I said, you can come and hang out with us at our shows that we have coming up December 29th at the Flint Local and January 20th at the Well in Indiana. And uh, we got some content coming out pretty soon here. And actually, we're gonna let's wrap this thing up with a song. Yeah. Jason, out of my way, man. Let's clear this pit. It's about to get crazy. <laughs> Just mosh. It, that was a fun interview. I had a really good time. It was one of our more expensive interviews. I mean, most of our guests don't charge anything. <laughs> but, you know, Chris and Brian, I think it was, I think we, we paid around 400 each yeah. for them. And they gave us a discount because you were in the band. So they took 25 bucks off. Yeah. So that was really nice of them to grace, yeah. grace us with their so, presence. Seven seventy five altogether, and Not a bad interview for that price these no. days. No. But Jason... What did, what did you think? What do you think of all the metal? Are you are you have you converted now? Are now you... listen, like I did not grow up a metal fan. I'm more of like indie rock, punk rock type thing. But I have like a lot of respect because you guys are crazy talented, and I gotta admit, it sounds Thank great. It sounds fantastic. You guys got the show coming up at the local. Yeah, we got that show. Oh, I'm so pumped to play the local. I, I've I've Give, seen your band play there, and I've seen other bands play there, and I'm like, man, I I feel like I've missed out on my opportunity to ever play at the local, and it's finally coming true now. Yeah, so I'm I'm excited to see you guys play, and then I'm excited too because like I don't know, I've I've played with well pre bringing down Broadway the previous band Gage. Yeah. I played shows with them. So to me there would be like a little bit of nostalgia in there. Super in right now. But then just seeing like the professionalism. Like everything you guys do, just being in the studio, seeing your gear, hearing the songs that you guys have, everything is just top notch, professional. You know that you know that scene in the middle of the movie Miracle? Where Coach uh, Herb Brooks yeah. has that whistle and he's making those guys skate the suicides. Yeah, that's what Chris does to us. I don't doubt that's, it. That's what that's that's the behind the scenes. That's a little inside baseball for everybody at home. So if you don't know what that movie is, go watch Miracle, one of the greatest movies of all time. It is for sure. And we just we just work really really hard. And I think. I don't think I've ever played this hard or worked this hard at any of the bands that I've ever been in. No, because, I mean, you told me, like, hey, you know, I'm playing in this band. And you told me, like, months and months ago. And I was like, when are you guys going to play a show? (laughs) And then finally it's here. Yeah, it's just around the corner. No, you guys put a lot of work in. And I'm, I'm excited to see it live. I'm glad that we got to bring it to people on this podcast. Yeah, I hope I hope somebody gets something out of it and just and if you're not into metal, maybe you just enjoy the story of two guys that have a, a friendship that's been around longer than I've been alive. Yeah, I think anybody, I think I said it in the interview, anybody like every small town has two buddies like that who like for me it was my buddy Rex who my youngest is named after. There like, you go. And in 5th grade, we used to draw pictures of guitars. <laughs> Fifth and sixth grade, like my notebook was just full of pictures of guitars, and we just dreamed about playing in a band. And and when when he hit high school, I mean, I bought a guitar for my birthday. He got a bass for his, and we started a band. And just the dreams rolled in. Yep. 
Absolutely. But Jason, speaking of dreams, some people have shared our, some feedback with us, right? Oh, yeah, man. And so that, that's another dream for us coming true, just you guys responding and just really just getting your feedback on our previous episodes. We so. got some praise from some other podcasts, Alex. That's legit. So uh, Church and Other Drugs. Yeah. Um, Love those guys. Yeah, we had them on our show forever ago, all the way at the beginning of the year. Man, I want to say that was back in the teens, like episode like 18 or something. Yeah. I that's want, crazy. I want Jed to come back on the show and talk some Nephilim. Yeah, we'll get them on. Or is it Nephilim? Nephilim. Nephilim. Nephilim? Yeah. Nephilians. Because <laughs> they might be aliens, too. I want to get Jed on to talk some Nephilim. So, Jed, Jed, if you're listening to this, come on the show, buddy. Let's talk Nephilims. Um, <laughs> but, but he sent us a message. He said, yo, y'all skit at the beginning of the Thanksgiving episode is hilarious. <laughs> oh man, dude! I must have listened to that skit like a hundred times. That's the skit. If you or I, time. if you or I ever run for public office, which I don't think we ever will, but yeah, just in case no. we did, like that would be the skit that they bring forth. Like this is the reason why you shouldn't vote for these guys. <laughs> it, it would at least be the reason why we're definitely not going to be pastors anywhere. <laughs> yeah, well, it is what it is. But Steve Austin, he sent me a message too, and it said, "Dude, that intro, you guys win Thanksgiving." And then he used our skit. I was super appreciative of that. I yeah. was like, I can't believe Steve is using this in his show. Yeah, I was. It's it's that's high praise. Yeah, it's high praise. So yeah, it is. <laughs> AskSteveAustin.com. He too did a Thanksgiving episode. It was you know, great. Some self care tips and some great advice. It was funny. He had his buddy Robert Vore on there, and uh, no, they used our intro at the beginning of our of their episode. So I thought that was pretty awesome. Yeah, that was really sick. And then sick in a good way, you know what I mean? On the Twitter feed, Caroline at the Bipolar Lens said she loved this podcast. And then some other people had some questions that they threw out on Twitter regarding our show. And I'm not going to read them here, but it was just awesome that, like, some of the questions, like, I don't know how to answer this. And then Hillary McBride chimes in and answered the questions <laughs> for them. So even better because she's so just freaking smart. Saved by Hillary. Yeah, my dad was telling me today over the phone. He's like, "I just listened to your Thanksgiving episode, man. That woman you had, she's really smart. Like, yeah, she is extremely smart. Yeah, I, I'm like, uh, I bought her book. Yeah, posted some pictures on Instagram of of her book washing up on the shores to Moana. Um, what to do? May have been your Lego set. Yes, probably. Or your daughter's Lego set, but really your Lego set. Yeah, it's Alex's Lego set. I've got one too. So, <laughs> Alex and I have Moana Legos, everybody. Um, You're great. Good job. Disney. But no, I'm like three chapters in, and her book is so freaking good. Even three chapters in, I can't wait to finish it. Awesome. Speaking of finishing, if you have nothing else, uh, we need to finish this show. Yeah. But before we, we before we say our salutations or is that hellos salutations are hello aren't they they're greetings greetings dang it yeah because in in charlotte's web the pig says salutations dang it i screwed it up what's what's that's some pig <laughs> are we still talking about charlotte's web 
No, let me get this candy cane out of my mouth so I can continue talking because I thought you were wrapping up the tis, show, but you're clearly the, not wrapping up the tis show. Tis the show. Tis what the season. What do you call it, though? If it's not, what's the ending? If it's not salutations, what are the goodbyes? Desalutations? Indutations? I don't know. But anyway, before we before we, we sign off, before we land the plane, before blessings. we park, ble- <laughs> we're going to leave you guys with some blessings. And those blessings are our social media pages, Twitter, Facebook. Instagram, you know what they all are. You guys all have them. This is this is the 21st century. Welcome to 2017, where everybody has a social media page, and we're on there all the time, just posting stuff, posting updates about our episode. Wait, 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 Alex, what? dude, we're gonna oh, do. Oh, I forgot about this. We're gonna do a live episode. Oh my gosh, we're finally doing one. We didn't do it for our 50th episode, like some no. podcasts do. Like we completely forgot that we did. We recorded a 50th episode, yeah. which is nuts Oops. to me. <laughs> But we are going to do a live podcast episode. A Facebook Live. Facebook Live. It's, and it's probably important since we're talking about the socials. Yeah, Facebook we're talking live. about the socials. So we're going to do a Facebook Live podcast. And I, I'm really looking forward to it. We're probably going to we'll answer some questions. Uh, so you guys have hit us, up on the, hit us up on our social medias. Ask some questions. And Jason and I will answer them. We'll talk about this last year, the shows that impacted us the most. When are we doing this episode? We're going to be doing this on December 18th. It's a Monday night. Monday night. night. That's, that's when our, Jason and I usually yeah. record, so that's that's the day. That's what my kids know. Oh, Daddy's going to Mr. Alex's house tonight. Yeah. Secretly, they don't know that we play with Legos before and after. Yep, pretty much. During the executive business meeting type yes. things. We, everything's yeah. better with Lego. But we're going to do we're gonna do a live and I'm really nervous, Alex. Uh, I'll be right here are holding going your to hand. find out just how edited our podcasts are. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll walk you through it. I'll walk you through it. But if you guys have any questions, if you guys, even even the dumb questions, even if you guys got questions about what Jason and I do for Christmas or like just, hey, what's your opinion on this particular Bible passage, whatever, Jason and I will answer any question. Any question. I don't like the way you're looking. Any question. Like your eye contact. If you have questions about retirement plans, Jason and I will do our best to answer them. <sighs> Finances. Yeah. No, yeah. What kids what college you should send your you know kids to, you know? Easy. I got I got answers for all those. We have all the answers because we are not your pastors. So if they're wrong, so what? <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, guys, thanks so much for listening to this episode, and we hope you guys have a really awesome December and eventual Christmas. So, peace. Always keep your stick on the ice. Ah, I was testing you. Oh, you were. Thanks for having me, and uh, where's my money?